This is the All Pro Wrestling 100 Podcast for November 13th, 2020. I'm your host, JB. This is All Pro Wrestling and only Pro Wrestling. Today's episode, Smackdown Review, Ring of Honor Episode 477 Review, and Breaking News. Selena Vega was released, folks. Let's get right to it today. Smackdown Review coming up right now. Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman coming out early. And they are interrupted by the Raw former WWE champion Drew McIntyre, making his SmackDown debut for this go-round with his time at WWE. It was a pretty cool moment. I wasn't expecting to see him, even though I'd read online he was going to be there. Didn't know he'd be there right away, so that was pretty cool. They cut a long promo. Drew told him he's going to beat Randy Orton on Raw this week. And I thought it was great that they were using SmackDown to promote something that was going to happen on Raw. I know often Michael Cole will tell me with a graphic overlay that next week on Raw, this is going to happen. And it goes in one ear and right out the other because I've seen this for 25 years now in pro wrestling. I prefer when a story is built on one program that compels me to tune in. Uh, It's visual. It's storytelling. And this was kind of cool. They managed to use some time on SmackDown to promote Raw. And then... Roman Reigns responds to the promo by telling Drew McIntyre, hey man, nobody watches Monday Night Raw anymore. And there had to be this awkward pause amongst anybody who follows pro wrestling beyond that of a casual fan, all the way down to Vince McMahon, who I don't know if he okayed that line or not, but it's a sad statement in a lot of ways. It's impressive that they're willing to confront that on the Fox program on Friday nights. It's still sad, the idea that, I mean, this is Vince's flagship show they're talking about. It's the show that Vince, at times, irrationally held on to the idea that this is going to be the premier program, when everything else would point to making a different show on a different network, the premier program, including right now. But you know Vince doesn't want to do that, and it's a shame to make it a rib amongst the boys that no one is watching Raw comparatively to what they used to. And I know that you're going to say, well, this is just storyline, it's... Roman promoting SmackDown. This is a statement to where wrestling is right now, where the WWE is right now. It's a statement to the way everybody feels in result, you know, resulting from the pandemic. It's a statement about the employees of the WWE and how they feel. Part of Drew's promo on Roman Reigns was, where were you when the pandemic began? Somebody needed to pick the ball up and run with it, and I was here, and you were sitting at home. I mean, this was a great promo on both sides. It was impactful, and that's what you want a promo to be. I don't know if it was good impactful. It points out to me that this is a a low point in WWE's history, and it's not WWE's recent history. Vince is making money, but this is a low point creatively, and the days of fans passionately creating signs and bringing them in and screaming for their favorite wrestler has passed. And maybe it's just because it was replaced by the smartphone and people spend more time looking down during matches now at their world inside of a screen of a smartphone than they do looking up and out at what's going on in the ring. But I think that the politics and Vince McMahon's stand on wanting to control everything and the optics everywhere has just as much to do with where we are as a fan base and our passion for this company. I think Vince is equally responsible. You have to find a way to get people to look away from their phones if you're running a multi-billion dollar organization. It's a sad statement, but it was a great promo on both of their parts. And of course, it was interrupted by Cousin Uso, who comes out to push future storyline. And they book a match later in the program between Cousin Uso and Drew McIntyre. 
Next, we have Sami Zayn defeating Apollo Crews by countout to retain the Intercontinental title. Next, we got a promo. Sasha Banks comes out. She looks great. She still can't talk. I mean, it's terrible. I, I can't believe how much difficulty this woman has with the English language sometimes, but she did let us know, let all the women in the back know that she's the champ, uh, whatever that means. Uh, Bailey hits the ramp, and while Bailey's music's playing and Bailey's coming out and jawjacking on the ramp, from behind, Carmella Kardashian with a super kick run in. That's right. Carmella Kardashian and her red lingerie came in and kicked Sasha's head off, so Bailey disappeared right off the ramp. And what people didn't see on camera was Bailey actually teleported. The people in the audience, uh, oh wait, I mean all those LCD screens with people's faces on them that were pre-recorded, that are in the audience, they got to see Bailey teleport to a place where British people still sing songs to her. Yeah, it's where she remembers to tie her ponytail on one side of her head and everybody serenades her all the time because that's where she'd rather be right now, folks. But anyway, Sasha got laid out by a Kardashian. We're going to move on to Dolph Ziggler and his life partner, Bobby Roode, uh, came out and spent just enough time in the ring for Dolph to job to Otis. Dolph has apparently got himself on the wrong side of politics, and so he doesn't get to win matches. Even though he's one of the hardest working guys in the company, I, I don't know why Otis is still employed. I don't know why we still talk about Otis like he's a single star and why he still gets to beat former world champions. We've taken the money in the bank away from him. I mean, that pretty much says that we made a mistake with Otis, but no, he gets to beat Ziggler because who doesn't get to beat Ziggler? You know, I thought it was a low point in Ziggler's career a few years ago when my grandmother was booked to beat Ziggler at a house show. I said, God, there's got to be somebody else Granny can get over on. But no, it's, it's always Dolph Ziggler when Vince needs some, to get somebody over for just a temporary storyline. And it's nice that they gave him a, a, a valet to come out with like Bobby Roode. Next up, Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio and his family in what we are told will be the final time we have to watch this. Because look, man, Rey only has so many eyes. And, and Seth can only poke his eye out so many times. I can't believe, can you believe it's been over a year of this? A year of this. Seth got out of the, the hell in the cell with the fiend last year. And they said, well, we really need you to get booed. We need a heel. And he said, well, I'm going to just poke out Rey Mysterio's eyes. They said, eyes? How many? He's like, I don't know, three, four eyes. I'm going to do it three or four times. It's just been terrible. And it's finally over. We used this final chapter, they called it, as a way to promote the Seth Rollins-Buddy Murphy feud, which is going to start now. Has anybody else, this is a side note, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a whole segment at some point, because there is so much empirical evidence and history for me to make this statement that it is not speculation. It is overwhelmingly proven. But have you all ever noticed that Vince McMahon just hates it when his wrestlers, male or female, find themselves in a happy relationship? If somebody working for the WWE happens to fall in love, and they happen to be coming to work excited to be there, and, and heavens, don't let it ever be with a coworker. If this happens, Vince is going to try to destroy your happiness. He's going to pit you both against each other, he's going to separate you, and he's going to give one of you a 19-year-old girlfriend on TV. I like how Buddy Murphy couldn't get a gimmick until he started dating Alexa Bliss, and now he's got a 19-year-old girlfriend with a last name of Mysterio. And that seems crazy, right? Except that Alexa was Little Miss Bliss running a talk show drinking coffee and never had a male love interest until now. And now that she's seeing Buddy Murphy, or was reported to Vince to have been being seeing Buddy Murphy, I don't even know if they're still seeing each other, and they probably won't be for much longer, because Vince will make it impossible for them. But now she runs around with Bray Wyatt. 
You know, when Bray Wyatt was Huskus Harrison or whatever awful gimmick they gave him when he first came in, nobody was par- pairing a woman with that character. And when he was married and was going home to his wife, there was no female valet coming out with him when he was in the Wyatt family. He was just surrounded by dudes that didn't bathe. But the minute he impregnates JoJo, JoJo gets pulled off TV and sent home. And now Bray gets back and he gets over. And as soon as they get done laying him down to Goldberg, they've put him with a woman. I wonder how JoJo feels about Alexa Bliss hanging out in the Firefly Funhouse. And I wonder how Alexa Bliss feels about Buddy Murphy hanging out in Rey Mysterio's daughter's bedroom where everything's painted pink and Hello Kitty's still on the wall because she was in high school last year. I wonder how they all feel about these things. All I know is, is if you want to get a valet in the WWE, the best thing you can do is find yourself a girlfriend in real life. And if she's in the locker room, hell, you might be given a world championship. I don't know, you get pushed to the moon. As long as it makes your relationship uncomfortable. Women's fatal four-way for a shot at the Women's Survivor Series team, because every one of these women's been waiting the last 11 months for a chance to be the fourth member of a Survivor Series team that no one's going to talk about again. We've got Natalia, Tamina, Liv Morgan, and Chelsea Green. Some of you are wondering who Chelsea Green is and why she gets to come out last, and I was also wondering, because I don't watch NXT on a weekly basis. But Chelsea Green came out long enough to break her arm. Liv Morgan gets over on Tamina. I'm going to give you what happened in the ring, and then I'm going to give you the internet report. What happened in the ring is that Liv Morgan hits a face buster on Tamina and gets the pin. There is reporting by somewhat unreputable sources online that Liv Morgan wasn't scheduled to win the match, that this Chelsea Green was scheduled to win her first match on the main roster and was going to go to Survivor Series, but during the match she broke her wrist. So they had to post-produce a new finish to the match where Liv Morgan won. I choose not to believe that. Liv Morgan had a great sexy gimmick with schoolgirl plaid bikini style outfit she was wearing. She looked good. Liv Morgan has been on a singles push for four or five months now, trying to find her identity. They they made her a lesbian. This isn't new that Liv Morgan's getting featured on her own. So I choose not to believe that this was a, a changed finish written in the moment. There are rumors online that most of this show was written in the moment, and I would normally totally discredit that, except for the line Roman threw in there about Monday Night Raw. Liv Morgan wins. Looked really hot doing it. Big fan. Boom. Face buster on Tamina. Had a couple more promos. Big E in the back cooking pancakes with the Street Profits. Before we get to the main event of the evening, we've got Drew McIntyre versus Cousin Uso. Drew McIntyre wins. The program ends with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre in a face-off, and Drew looks very serious, and Roman just points to the belt and says, Hey man, when you get yourself one of these, let's talk. And I thought this was all really great. Love Roman Reigns as a heel. Ring of Honor, episode 477. Let's do a quick rundown of that. Wasn't really good enough to talk a whole lot about. I will tell you the highlights. We have Dak Draper versus Brian Johnson. Both of them were given way too long to talk in pre-recorded promos. This is, a, I guess, a new format that Ring of Honor's been trying lately of really developing characters and making you care the moment of the match. But boy, I was tired of it by the time the match started. Very old-school wrestling feel to most of the programming now. Dak Draper wins. Brian Johnson was just an unlikable character based on that promo, and they need to be very careful about that because he did not turn sympathetic. He made me hate him. Some people aren't meant to hold a mic, but much like everything else Ring of Honor has ever done, it's done wrong. So, main event of the episode, Brody King fighting Dalton Castle. I expected Dalton Castle to get over. 
but I didn't want him to, because although this was the first time I'd seen Brody King, I was impressed with his pre-match promo. And when he came to the ring, you know, he talked himself up about being a big guy with some tattoos and a unique look, and he could move around, and he got in the ring, and he didn't lie. It was impressive. I think he could probably do a little more than he was doing, but I think maybe he was downplaying it for Dalton Castle, trying to make a good match and sell for somebody that maybe might not be as good of a pro wrestler as he is. But either way, Brody King hits a pile driver, wins the match, clean pinfall over former world champion Dalton Castle. I don't know what Brody King's future is in the company, but this guy has a unique look. He's a good wrestler, good on the mic. I think he's worth checking out. I normally totally discount anybody Ring of Honor signs, but unless this guy has something nefarious in his past, some reason why another company hasn't hired him, he might just be a guy who has paid his dues and is on his way up and found a way to get on TV. Big fan of this guy from what I saw. We've got some news that we just have to get to. So we're going to have a rare news segment here. Sports Illustrated reports on Friday that Selena Vega was released by the WWE, so I'm going to give you a timeline of what happened here. I checked into multiple reports on this. Here's the timeline. Selena Vega gets released by the WWE. She posts something to Twitter talking about how she supports unionization. The WWE immediately, within an hour, posts a tweet of their own saying that they've reached terms and parted ways. No one gets released via Twitter, so although connections are being drawn by people who want to speculate online about how she was released for her stand on unionization, we don't have any proof of that, and she definitely wasn't released because she put a tweet out. But that is the order of things. She did tweet about unionization, which sparked the Screen Actors Guild to reach out to her, to thank her for her support of their cause, and to let her know that they're paying attention to the situation, and they requested a private correspondence. They provided a name and an email. Uh, That could have some weight and some legs, so we're going to keep an eye on that. That is interesting. Dave Meltzer reports a correlation between the release and a crackdown on third-party affiliations like Twitch. Recently, the WWE has been upset about people going in, literally going into business for themselves. It's been something that pro wrestling has generally frowned upon throughout its history. But progressive movements are about progressing as a society. And everyone else who makes movies and who's expected to be an actor is represented by a union called the Screen Actors Guild. And there's actually a couple others as well. Athletes are represented by players' unions. Vince is the first person to tell you when you ask, We make movies! We make movies here! And that's the excuse he gives to his talent for asking them to do terrible things. Things that humiliate them and that are uncomfortable. It's his excuse for pretty much everything he does. And he knows that his people are athletes. And he knows that what they do involves a physicality, and he is the first person to tell you about the injuries here are very real. And you can only walk that line for so far before some logical people with some law degrees take a look at this situation and ask you about the billions of dollars you and your family make every year on these contracts that you're paying 60 grand apiece to new talent and asking them to share rooms and carpool to cities. That'll only go on for so long, and if you take a look at every other industry, unionization hits any place where workers feel exploited. And these workers here can point to other comparable employments and say that they are being exploited. Everyone's known this for a long time. 
The WWF has tried to stay ahead of it by saying, oh, look, we're trying to take care of our veterans. We're setting up deals for the legends, and we're looking into concussion syndrome, and we've got a Hall of Fame, and we want to keep our family together, and that's all wonderful. That helps Tamina Snuka. So, you know, if your dad goes out and you're going to have a job with the WWE, but you're not going to be covered under a union, and you have no real guarantee. And, you know, for $60,000, there's a lot of safer work somebody can be doing. So the unionization story may have legs, and we're going to keep posted on that one. Election results are in, and pro wrestling is the big loser. AEW lost 60,000 viewers over the previous week, the day after the highly contested U.S. presidential election. As opposed to NXT running concurrently, who lost 260,000 viewers, they lost over four times as many of their viewing audience. That brings us to the end of this All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast. Tomorrow we got the Impact Turning Points results show. Monday we're going to have an intro to All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast for the 2020-2021 seasons. We're going to talk about what specifically makes this podcast different than the other pro wrestling podcasts you might want to listen to. We're going to give detailed explanations as to what you can find here over the next year. Subscribe where you listen. Thanks for tuning in.